0: This morning, we continue in our study in Mark. So if you wouldn't mind turning to Mark chapter 1. We left off on 28, and today I'm going to continue the pace that Mark has established for us in these first 28 verses. The next 10 verses I'm going to take us through quite briefly. uh, But then today we are truly going to focus on the interaction in the last five verses between Jesus and Jesus and the leper. Again I would ask you this morning that as we work our way through the gospel of Mark that we would truly try to place ourselves in this time and not try to have this specific time period in Redondo Beach 2022. This wasn't meant for 2022 it was meant for here and so try to keep yourself there try to keep yourself in the history and the context of Jesus's ministry. So I'm going to start by reading verses 29 to 39. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her and she began to serve them. Searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go out onto the next towns, that I may preach there also, for this is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, be with us right now as we enter into your word. Give us clarity, give us points that we may have not seen before, and most importantly, give us a nearness to you. Praising in Jesus' name, amen. So, this is still the beginning of Jesus' ministry to the people. And Jesus Jesus continues to go from place to place, establishing his authority through healing and preaching. And here in verse 29 of Mark, Mark uses the term again, uthos, which we know means immediately. To show Jesus leaving the synagogues and continuing his ministry in the house of Simon and Andrew. And verse thirty says, Now Simon's mother in law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. Now this fever is not one that you would think of today, right? If most of us get sick, we go down with a fever, and it takes us a couple of days to get over it, but eventually we get over it, and it's not too much of a of an issue or of a problem. This is not an instance where you get that kind of fever. No, in Luke 4, 38, and and Luke is a physician, remember, so he's able to diagnose better than than some of these other would be able to. And in Luke 40, 38, he says, this isn't just a fever, but this is a, a high fever. This is a fever that was most likely one that was quite possibly very dangerous and could possibly even lead to death. That was this fever. And so why do I throw that that nugget of information in here. Why do I make that distinction between a fever and a high fever? Well, it's just more to elaborate on the fact that Jesus, again, is establishing his power and his authority. This isn't a fever that goes away after two days. This is a fever that's hard, that maybe medicine and and, uh, products of that day cannot fix. And so again, this is Jesus establishing his power, establishing his authority, that only Jesus was going to be able to rid her of this fever. And so in the next verse, we see what? Jesus, the Son of God, he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. No illness nor predicament of man was too great for Jesus to overcome. In fact, he was so powerful that what medicine could not rid, what man could not help, Jesus with a touch, just a touch, healed her, and that was that. There was no rest period. There was no time to recover. No, it says specifically as she began to serve. Fever left, and here she was serving them, as if the fever had never even been a part of her, as if she had never even felt the effects of the fever. She just got up and started serving. This is his power. This is how how mighty Jesus is. That a fever that, that cannot be helped by man or medicine, with a touch he's able to heal. Again, establishing this authority and power. But it doesn't stop there. We would think, okay, that's nice, that's great. He did this one instance of of healing this person. But from that healing, we see that later, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. The whole city was gathered at the doorstep to either marvel or to be healed by Jesus. Jesus. And as more and more are brought, Jesus continues to heal and rid them of any diseases and cast out demons. Mark uses this term many here to show just the vast number of those who were healed. This isn't just the next door neighbor and the, and the next door neighbor after that. No, this is a great many who were healed. You can imagine how long it took, right? Right? The fact that a whole city is coming in, and this possibly led from the evening, possibly bleeding into the night, maybe even to the next day. And here is Jesus continually, continually, continually healing. And not just healing, but he's casting out demons. He's casting out demons that that those who come with are, 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 are ridden, it's just soaked in their body, and Jesus just rids them. And and what does he do after that? He doesn't even give them permission to speak. Why? For they knew him. He rids them, and he doesn't even give them permission. We're going to see a little bit later on someone who is given an an order and, and disobeys it. But here, Jesus doesn't even give the demons the option. He doesn't even give them the option to speak or to disobey. Because these demons knew him. And at this point in Mark, it's not important to understand the exact meaning of Jesus binding the lips of these demons. What is important is that whatever they were going to say was out of the plan of God and was out of the divine timing of his ministry here on earth. Whatever they were going to say was going to interfere and interject into whatever this plan was and that wasn't going to be permissible. It was stopped dead in its tracks. It didn't even get an option to happen. That's what's important. Permission wasn't given because of God's divine plan and timing for Jesus at this moment. And the permission was not granted. But to continue... I'm going to go fast these first 10 verses. To continue, Jesus healed all those who came for a long duration of time, again, possibly spilling into the night. And then, in verse 35, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Now this is a quick side note that I do want to spend a little bit of time on. This verse is sandwiched between two different instances of Jesus' ministry. Jesus just healed many people and we're about to see him preach to many towns. And in between those two things is one verse and 35. And everyone loves to look at the great wonders that Jesus does. They say, wow, he healed all these people. Wow, he healed this fever. And and this woman just began serving immediately, and that was wonderful. And we're going to see later on that he goes out and preaches, and that's great, that's awesome, that's so good. And yet, we tend to just skip over verse 35, which is, when I read this, at least this week, God made it very special to me and very wondrous to see this part of Jesus. Jesus is going out to a desolate place, all alone, not to be disturbed. To do what? To pray. In the midst of all that is transpiring around him, Jesus takes this moment, alone with his Father, to pray. This is a verse that simultaneously puts me to shame and gives me joy for who my Savior is. There are days that are are so overwhelming. There are days that are so burdensome that the day is just packed to the brim. And we go on throughout our day and, and we're tired by the time we get home and we just want to relax and we just want to recharge. And whatever way that is that we recharge, whether it's Turn on a TV to our favorite game or to a show, or whether that's sitting down and reading, or whether that's talking with someone, or whether that's just sitting down and going to sleep. We all have our way of recharging, our way of, of dealing with the burdens that just happened in the day. And yet, Jesus, how many of us choose to recharge by praying. When everything's quiet, there's not noise going on, whether that be a late night or early morning, after everything just transpired, how many of us find it necessary at that time when it's not easy, when we don't want to, to draw near to the throne and to pray to our God? Bringing to him everything not just knowing that he listens to us, but that he desires for us to come near. A father who desires those who are his to find rest in him and find strength through his presence. How many of us recharge like that? Being ready for the next day because we just spent time with our God praying, We spent time with our God, bearing out our souls to him. We spent time, even though we already know he knows our hearts, bringing it forward to him because we want to go to him. Just as I want to talk to my wife, I want to talk to my father and let him know what's going on in my life. That was Jesus here in 35, in the midst of ministry. the earliest of mornings going to a dark desolate place just to pray even those of us who are good at that even those of us who who can say I'm pretty pretty good at at going alone and and praying to God we still need to improve in this area we need to continually practice his action of Jesus in this verse because There's nothing else that helps. No game, no reading, no television show is going to recharge us like coming before the throne of God. So just a quick side note. But back to verse 36. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next town's that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So as Simon and those who were with him found Jesus, you can imagine the news they have to share, right? The the previous day was just full of, of healings and miracles. And that news probably spread throughout the towns and spread throughout the city. And they're coming back to Jesus and they're saying, it's wonderful. The buzz about you. Everyone, everything, you can just feel it in the town, and they all want to see you. They all want to see the wonders and the, and the miracles that you're doing. And you can imagine these disciples' excitement because it's happening. It's happening. And Jesus' response is probably not what they were expecting. Jesus instead says, when they come with their excitement and they come with, everyone is looking for you, he says, Well, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. You can see here what the essence of Jesus' ministry was it's not solely to perform miracles and wonders. It's not just so when people see the healings, they they say, wow, that's so cool, and I want to see more of that. No, that wasn't the reason. The reason was to preach the need of repentance for mankind. Not that long ago, in verse 15 of the same chapter, Jesus proclaims, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, and believe in the gospel. The healings were meant to be a testimony of the authority and the power of the Son of God. They were meant to to share with the people around them when they see the the healings and the miracles. Well, this has to be the Son of God. But instead, these people in this city just wanted the, the healings and the miracles still. And the true essence of the ministry, again, was, was so that those who heard the word of Jesus would come to recognize their need of a Savior and repent and turn. So, as Jesus hears Simon say these things, Simon's probably taken it back. He says, What do you mean we're just going to leave and go to, go to other towns? Well, it's because of what was proclaimed by Simon. They just want to see the the miracles, the signs. And I've already preached to them. I've already witnessed to them. It's time to move on. It's time to go to the next town. It's time to preach. That's what I'm here to do. That's why I'm here at this time. And that's what they did. They went through all Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. The essence of Jesus' ministry here on earth Preaching the gospel. Turn with me to Romans 10, 5 to 17. Romans 10 sums it up pretty well. In Romans chapter 10, beginning with verse 5, the message of salvation, we hear, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, Who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. That's the essence of what Jesus is sharing here to Simon Peter. Saying, Look, I have to preach, I have to go out, I have to go from town to town. They have to hear of their need of repentance. I'm not here to show signs and miracles alone. No, we're here to preach. And that's what they did. And so with that, that was a good sum up of those those two, those 10 verses. Because what I want to focus on here is these next five. This interaction between the leper and Jesus. Here's where I want to spend the last bit of our time. To understand And flesh out this relationship and so in verse 40 and a leper came to him imploring him and kneeling said to him if you will you can make me clean first off what is a leper most of us are unfamiliar with this disease and is one that is very rare and even more rare to find here in North America It's usually found in the Bible lands and it's even more prevalent obviously from the time to Moses to Jesus so most of us may not be very familiar with what a leper is because I want you to understand it's not just a discoloration of your skin that's not just what it is, it's not just spots on your skin no in fact it's much more in a commentary it's summed up this way if you don't know it's called Hansen's disease, and it's summed up like this. Hansen's disease, numbing quality, is precisely the reason such fabled destruction and decay of tissue occurs. For thousands of years, people thought HD caused the ulcers on hands and feet and face, which eventually led to rotting flesh and loss of limbs. The destruction follows solely because the warning systems of pain is gone. How does the decay happen? In villages of Africa and Asia, a person with HD has been known to reach directly into a charcoal fire to retrieve a dropped potato. Nothing in his body told him not to. Patients at Brands Hospital in India would work all day gripping a shovel with a protruding nail or extinguishing a burning wick with their bare hands or walking on splintered glass. The daily routines of life ground away at the HD patient's hands and feet, but no warning systems alerted them. If any ankle turned, tearing tendon and muscle, he would just adjust and walk crooked. If a rat chewed off a finger in the night, he would not discover it missing until the next morning. It's gruesome. And I read that this morning to understand just how serious this is. If you read other commentaries, you read other things, and you read other authors and and doctors, this disease can lead to to rotting of limbs where they just fall off. It leads to open sores on all of your body. And all this mainly because you can't feel things, you can't do things, and so you just, you know, if we touch something and we say, ow, they don't. They don't know that. They don't know those sensors. And your body just starts to lose, and it attacks the nervous system, and eventually your body just decays. That's what leprosy is. Not just eczema or discoloration of skin. That's a byproduct, or that's a smaller version or a variation. But it's not leprosy. And so to say this disease is harmful is an understatement. It was so serious, and Leviticus, two chapters are dedicated to this disease, outlining identifications and procedures on how to handle it. For example, if someone were to catch and develop the disease, not only would they have to live with these unbearable side effects of the disease, but they had to be an outcast to avoid an outbreak. In Leviticus 13:45 to 46, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let their hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He's unclean, he shall live alone, and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now again, this isolation only came when it was full blown out leprosy this wasn't just a an instance where it's discoloration and they send you away for seven days and you come back and and then they see okay you're doing better you're you're clean now it's fine no this is when sores have broken out discoloration is is happening and the priest at that time would would see you and say okay you're you're unclean you need to be cast out because of the fact that this could outbreak to everyone in here and so leprosy was a big deal And again, if someone developed this, they had to be cast out as for protection of others. And this is also a well-known theology in these times to associate this leprosy with some semblance of sin. It didn't have to be, but it definitely could be, the fact that leprosy broke out as a result of sin made manifest. In 2 Chronicles 26, 17 King Uzziah was doing what he should not have been doing in the house of the Lord. And in verse 17, it says, But Azariah the priest went in after him with eighty priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong.'" And it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry, and now he had a censer in his right hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead And the presence of the priests and the Lord in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And in Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out, because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death, and being a leper, lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. Again, it's thought as an outward representation of an inner disease of sin. That's what this leprosy was. It's a miserable state, an utterly miserable state, that I pray none of us would have to endure ever. This was not something to be envied. This was not something that you wanted to have. This was not something that was, was beneficial in any way of your life. Outcast, disease-ridden, rotting, it's not a fun time. And so I bring all that out because when returning to Mark, we see the leper who knows he is unclean, And it's supposed to be cast out in desolate places. I want you to understand that it's very well known at this time that if someone had leprosy, not only the leper, but everyone around would know, you're not supposed to be near us. You're supposed to be cast out. These are the, the ordinances. These are the rules of that time. Do not be near me. And so there would be a pause in the air to see one of leprosy approaching. There would be a moment to say, what's going on here? But this leper notices Jesus and in his weakened state and decaying state he draws near imploring him and kneeling to him saying if you will, you can make me clean. Eight words are said by this leper that invoke a state of humility yet understanding who he is talking to. If you will, In Luke, it states that the leper used even more reverence by saying, Lord, if you will. There was no demand put on by the leper. There was no expectation that Jesus would have pity upon him. There was a humble request to the Lord Lord, if you will. The man had the right heart and the right recognition of his state. However, this did not mean that he did not understand the power and authority of Jesus. For the second half of that statement, he states boldly that you can make me clean. He doesn't just say, if you will. He says after that, you can make me clean. There was no doubt in this man who Jesus was. Although knowing that he himself was altogether unclean, altogether unworthy, he very much understood that Jesus was able to make him clean and was worthy to do so. And so the right heart attitude of this leper and subsequently Mark shares that by this man's response, Jesus was moved with pity and stretched out his right hand and touched him and said to him, I will. I will be clean. Having sympathy for this man who lived in isolation and anguish, Jesus stretched out his hand to one who was not owed it and say, be clean. I hope that this morning you can see the parallels of this leper and yourself. If you do not, I would ask you to check your heart, for this is a point in our life where we all were this leper. Those who were outcast from the kingdom of God and relationship with our Heavenly Father due to our sin-riddled state, we were this leper. A state that was killing us and sending us to a place of destruction. Our sin eating away at our flesh, both literally and metaphorically. Till at one point in our lives, God prompted our hearts and we were moved with haste to bow before our Savior in heaven. And to ask that he would save us from our rebellious state. Not that we were owed it, not that we deserved it. But imploring because we know that Jesus is the only way who can. He's the only one that can restore us to this relationship with God. He's the only one that can make us clean. Each one of us in our our walks, I want you to look back and I want you to see that moment in time, whether you were five, whether you were 80, whether you were somewhere in between, that moment in time when God drew you to himself, where were you before that? Were you clean? Were you good? Were you right? Were you just? Were you everything that you need to be? Was there anything that you could do to fix it? Was there anything that you were owed by God to do so? Or did we all implore? upon the mercy and kindness of our Savior who could make us clean. And Jesus, in his unmeasurable mercy and kindness, says to the leper, and we can almost hear it and feel the answer if we look back in our own lives ourselves, says, I will be clean. A moment in your life when when you gave yourself to Christ. You can almost hear it. I will be clean. These are the joys of being his. The thankfulness that we have because of the statement that Jesus says in the next chapter. 2.17 he says, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well, have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. In Acts 2, 38-39, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Colossians 1:13-14 He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins We were this leper Without Jesus we would still be this leper And so I want us to understand this, this statement, this relationship between Jesus and his leper is not just something that happened here, but it can be a representation to us to understand our state without him and now our state with him. To be unclean and then to be clean. It's a marvelous thing. And so this leper got to experience a taste of that Here. You get to experience this this feeling that we now share in our our own bodies. But, But it did come with a stern charge from Jesus. Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourselves to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them you go back to Las Vegas and you look back in, in the law and go back to those two chapters and, and see what all the, the processes of being a leper were but he was still ceremonial unclean just because Jesus healed him he still had to go forward to the priests and show to them okay hey look you can examine me examine my body and then they at that po- moment in time would say okay you're clean you can come back inside So that was what Jesus was was commanding to do. Go out and do this and show it to them so that that way you can be back inside the town. However, there comes a command before that statement that's more important. He said, See that you say nothing to anyone. See that you say nothing to anyone. Again, Jesus' fame was already spreading throughout all the lands. But he's still able to walk from town to town. He's still able to make his way through. There's not many obstructions at this moment. But at the moment that the town sees the leper who was cast out, this leper who was dying from this fatal disease, this leper who was not allowed in, the moment that the town sees him, And the moment that his excitement is overflowing and they ask, who did this? What happened? And he says, Jesus, Jesus did it. Look, I'm clean. The buzz would be too much. The buzz would be too great. The buzz would, would start to overwhelm. And you can imagine this freedom that Jesus had from walking to town to town, although his fame was spreading. It would be like this now that process of the fame coming and coming would, would be expedited. And now all of a sudden, Jesus wouldn't be able to move from town to town freely. So this instruction by Jesus was one where the leper's obedience to the Lord would be tested to match his recognition of the Lord. The leper understood that Jesus could do all these things, that he had this authority, that in some semblance he had to be the Son of God to be able to do this, to make him clean, so now, his recognition, Jesus was now giving him a chance to be obedient to that. You recognize me. Will you be obedient to me? So does he obey? In verse 45, but he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. Oops. We see that he does not, in fact, obey Jesus. In fact, he does the exact opposite of what Jesus commands him. And now, because of that, because of his disobedience, Jesus must be in desolate places. He's no longer able to enter openly into towns. There were parallels between the leper and all of us in our salvation. And I would ask you, is there parallels between all of us here today and the leper in our disobedience of the Lord's instructions in our lives? I'm not asking for a hand raise. I'm not asking you to say, yeah, I'm, I'm very disobedient in all the things that the Lord calls me to do. Nor am I going to dive deeply into this question this morning. I want you more to marinate on this. I want you more to ponder on this. But I will say this. If the answer to that question is yes, if you go out in the week and you say, Bren, yeah, you know what, I am disobedient to what the Lord calls me to do, even though he's made clear to me his salvation, and I know that I am his, yet he instructs me and I am disobedient, I would ask you to ask yourself, Why am I disobedient to the Lord? Why am I doing this? Why if I know his goodness? Why if I know his mercy? Why if I know what he did in my life, am I disobedient? And if you don't know, this is another opportunity for you to get with a brother or sister, to ponder these questions, to talk about these questions, to to dive into God's word and pray together about these questions. I think it's important to to be able to dive into the word of of God alone and to to marinate in those and to do those things. But too often, I think we're, we're scared of being able to come alongside other believers and say, I don't know. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. Are you? I don't know why this is going on in my life and I don't know the the answers to the questions do you we're given brothers and sisters we're given a church and too often we see each other on a Sunday we say nice to see you nice to see you see you next Sunday why are we not diving into these questions together as a body as believers as brothers and sisters, desiring the same outcome, desiring the same answers to the questions, and yet we say, nope, I have to do this on my own. You don't. Talk to someone this week about it. I would ask you. I would plead with you. Talk with someone. And I would also ask, if you did say yes to this question, earnestly plead with the Lord to remove... All obstacles or obstructions that are causing your disobedience. I know it's easy to say, it's like, okay, I'm just going to go to the Lord and, and ask this, but earnestly ask it. Don't just do it because I'm telling you to do it. But if you go in and you find in your own life the same disobedience that the leper has, come near to the throne of God and ask for those things to be taken away. And depend on the Lord for your faithfulness and your obedience. The Lord will sustain you. The Lord will, will lead you. He's given us His Spirit. He will do it. You've got to ask for it, though. You've got to be earnestly desiring it. And so this morning, I would ask you first to ponder that question. If it's yes, go talk to someone. If it's no, Go talk to someone. I would be hard-pressed to say if, if some part in your life you didn't disobey what the Lord had, had asked you to do. But I want us to end with the scripture reading that we had this morning. 1 John 1. I'd ask you to turn there with me. 1 John 1, 1 to 9. as we hear this, as we understand this, we can't let it sink in enough. Our need of Christ, where we were, and lastly, what he's cleansed us from. And so again, 1 John chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, Which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which is with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you, so that our joy may be complete. But again, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's pray together this morning as we sing. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray this morning for a desire to draw near to you for everything. Lord, do not let us be afraid to draw near. Do not let us feel like we have to work out our sins first to draw near. Do not let us feel like we are filthy enough to draw near. Lord, you have sent your Son to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all our sins and transgressions. And Lord, by your mercy, not by anything that we've done, as we continue to to fail and to be in sin, Lord, you have your son be on a cross for our behalf to pay for those sins so that we may be able to come before the throne of God and you may be able to see your son and we may be able to be seen as white as snow because of his work. Give us a desire to know you better. Give us a desire to love you. Give us a desire to walk in your ways. We love you, Lord, because you first loved us. Praising in Jesus' name.